It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. This is going to be such an enriching and edifying program for you. The revelation of our calling to be the children of promise is found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. That passage says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Now, before I go into the explanation of that particular statement, let's define what a promise is. A promise is a pledge, a firm and unwavering agreement. A promise is a commitment that someone will do or will not do something specified. And one of the most amazing revelations that you can ever come into is the sum of all the promises contained in Scripture. There are exactly, according to one reputable source, 7,487 promises in God's Word. And I would dare to say that those promises cover every area of need that you could ever face in this life. In fact, I would go as far as saying that you will never, absolutely never, put the word never in capital letters. Make it bold, underline it, highlight it, make it glow in your mind. You will never, never, never face anything in life where God hasn't already in advance given you a promise powerful enough, strong enough to take you through the problem to sure victory on the other side one way or the other. Think of that, 7,487 promises in God's Word. It's also been said that there are 31,173 verses in the Bible. So approximately, and certainly you can't be exact in this, but approximately one-fourth of the Bible is comprised of promises being communicated to God's people. And God knows you need to hang your life on these promises sometime. When nothing else is going your way, you hold on to the promise of God. You hold on to his divine pledge in your life. Now, if that be true, if there are 7,487 promises, what would happen to the Word of God if you removed those promises from the Bible? I would not want to read that book because the Bible would become a book of doom for you and for me. It would expose the depravity, the utter depravity of the human race and our hopelessness and the despair that we should feel and the inevitable consequences of our sin with no hope and no solution. If you remove the promises of God, we plunge into an abyss of darkness that is inescapable. And you might say, well, 
why does the rest of the Bible exist then? The same reason that the universal dome, the dark black dome that uh, contains all the stars and galaxies and heavenly bodies uh, exists. Without that black backdrop of the universal dome, the stars would never show up at night. The stars are there during the day. You just can't see them because of the brightness of the sun. It takes the world uh, being cloaked in darkness as the rotation of the earth changes so that something very beautiful emerges that was hidden before. And sometimes it takes some very dark places in our lives prior to salvation and even after salvation in order for the promises of God to shine like stars in their sockets. Think of that, that God realized the plight of the human race and how dark our condition was. But then he took a handful of 7,487 promises and he threw them across the nighttime sky of your existence. And there is nothing more beautiful than a night lit up with the stars shining in the heavens. And there's nothing more beautiful than a life lit up with the brightness of God's promises. This is so wonderful. I love, love, love 1 Kings 8.56. That verse says, there has not failed one word of all his good promise. That's referring to the entirety of the word of God as a singular promise. Just like the word of God is made up of many words, the promise of God is made up of many promises. And that verse says, not one word will fail. Another great quote is when Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle will fail until all the word of God is fulfilled. And those are small markings in the Hebrew alphabet. So God watches over his word to perform it. And that's wonderful to know. Sometimes it may appear that a promise fails to come to pass when you want it to happen, the way you want it to happen. And we need to know how to react in situations like that. Well, number one, you fight the good fight of faith because the Bible says that we obtain promises by faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But then also you need to look at the circumstance closely. Sometimes several promises are vying for the authority in a particular circumstance. Just to give you a very intense example, there have been people that I have personally prayed for to be healed that did not get his or her healing, but that person did pass on to the next life with the gift of eternal life. So it's like one promise overlaps another and is superior in authority. The previous promise of healing did not fail. A superior promise took precedence in that circumstance. And so one way or the other, we need to have that mindset one way or the other, God's promises are going to come to pass. And not only do we have written word promises, we have living word promises. 
I know I have depended on the times God has spoken to me personally throughout my journey since the day of my salvation. God has led me in very specific ways through dreams, through utterances, through prophetic words, through visions, through an impulse in my spirit that couldn't really just be captured in a statement, but it was an internal feeling. It was a knowing of something God was saying or God was going to do. Those are rhema word, living word promises. And you need to fight with those promises uh, against the doubts, the fears, the depression, the discouragement that you may face when things don't happen exactly the way you want them to happen or when you want them to happen. So claiming promises, whether they be written word promises or living word promises, can be a battle, a fight of faith. I suppose one of the best examples I could give you is the case of my own daughter. When my wife was about five months pregnant with her, we went for a normal checkup and the doctor came in with a very glum look on his face and then threw up on a screen the ultrasound that he had just taken and said, look at the dark spot at the base of her spine. She has spina bifida. She'll probably never walk. She'll be crippled the rest of her life. And then he showed us a blood report. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but because of certain things going on in my wife Elizabeth's body, he said, your child will 99% sure have cretinism, a severe form of retardation. And then he leaned across his desk and said, there is an alternative. And we knew what he was suggesting, which was not an alternative for us. He was suggesting abortion, which we are vehemently against. And that's why I jumped up to leave. My wife rose up to leave. Neither of us intended to ever come back to that doctor's office. And as we were leaving, the Holy Spirit fell on my wife very powerfully. She was, in a sense, thrown into a vision where she heard the voice of the Lord say, your daughter will dance on the streets of Jerusalem. The doctor had just said she would never walk, but God said she would dance. We finally got to the car outside his office and still very tense about what had gone on, my wife reached over to turn on the radio to calm her nerves, and the song came on, that country Christian song, I Hope You Dance. Elizabeth broke down crying. She turned around to me and said, Mike, that's a confirmation from God. And then she proceeded to tell me what she had just heard. Now, the next four months was a spiritual battle of claiming not only that living word promise that she received from God, but claiming a written word promise that God witnessed to Elizabeth's heart. She was reading the scripture and Psalm 138 verse 8 just came out to her and she felt it was quickened by the Holy Spirit concerning this circumstance. And that verse says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And so she started declaring and confessing many times during the day, little baby, you concern me. So Psalm 138 verse 8 says, you are perfect. 
And then she would sing that song, I Hope You Dance, several times a day over this little child forming in her womb. And of course, I was praying along with her, singing along with her. It was a four-month period of intercession, laying hold to the promises of God. When we came to the point of choosing a name, we decided we were going to name her Destiny Hope because the doctor's report gave her no destiny and no hope in this life. So we counteracted it with the declaration of the name we decided to call her. When she was born in the hospital, the first thing the doctor said that was officiating her birth, and it was a different doctor, my wife looked up and said, how does she look? And he said, she's perfect. The very word that we had claimed for four months now, would it have happened that way even if we had not claimed the promises of God? Well, possibly, but I tend to believe the opposite, that it was the promises of God that God honored and God worked the miraculous and our daughter was born whole in every way. And by the way, at the age of three or four, she showed a natural proclivity toward dance, and she was dancing with a Christian dance troupe of girls much older than her when she was only five years old, very talented and very used of God. So the promises of God work. Now let's revert back to the scripture I started with in the very beginning. Galatians 4.28 says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Now who is this biblical figure named Isaac? the son of Abraham and Sarah. If you remember, God visited Abram, as his name originally was, which means exalted father, and told him that he would have a son. That was his promise, that Sarah would bear a child, and that through that child would come forth a multitude that would bless all nations. That was Abraham's promise. God told him in the beginning, get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And he said, I will make of you a great nation. And he said, in you and in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And that was when Abraham and Sarah did not even have a child. Well, through many difficult and trying circumstances, finally, Sarah conceived. And she named the child Isaac, which means laughter, because she said, everyone is going to laugh with me when they find out what God has done in my life. That in her old age, as a 90-year-old woman, she gave birth to a child that would be the heir of the promises that God had given Abraham. And not only the heir, but the transmitter of those promises to future generations. So let's focus on this real closely for a moment. We, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Now, Sarah was barren. She had no ability to conceive a child, but the promise of God supernaturally enabled her and empowered her to get pregnant and to give birth to this son that was called Isaac. In like manner, you and I were barren spiritually, 
There was no way we could bear fruit in our lives that would have any eternal value. But then the promises of God kicked into gear in our lives. Promises like John 3, 16, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the promise, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or the promise, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. All of these promises came together and worked a miracle in producing you, a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. There's no way that could have ever happened without the supernatural influence of the written word of God that you believed and you dared to confess. And in some cases, God spoke to you in a very profound way. And so you acted on the living word and a promise God gave you in a personal way came to pass. And so that's one way that we are like Isaac in the beginning, because Isaac never would have existed except it were for the promises that God spoke to Abraham and Sarah. Now, there's four things very quickly I want to share with you, four ways that Isaac was a child of promise. Number one, he was the product of the promise of God. Number two, he was the proof of the promise of God. Number three, he was the possessor of the promises that God had originally given to Abraham. And number four, he was the promoter of those promises to future generations. And if we are children of promise similar to Isaac, then we are also the product of God's promises. We are the proof of God's promises. We are the possessors of God's promises. All of them in the word of God belong to us. And we are called to be the promoters of God's promises in the world. So let's get about this task of fulfilling the call to be the children of promise. Two of my books focus on this wonderful theme of the promises of God. My best-selling book is called 65 Promises from God for Your Child. Of all the 7,487 promises that there are in God's Word, 65 of them specifically deal with your children. So don't pray the problems. Don't remind God how your daughter or how your son is going through a really dark place in his or her life. Instead, pray the promises. Get that book, 65 Promises from God for Your Child. My most recent book is titled 25 Powerful Promises from God. And by knowing those promises and claiming them, it will unleash the supernatural in your life. So go to my website, shreveministries.org, look in the store and order your copies today. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I look forward to our time together in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. 
You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.